You know what's unique about these Come Follow Me curriculum programs that we've had for our four major books in the standard works is that every one of them has a Christmas time, a Christmas lesson, and every one of them has an Easter lesson, and they should. So I'm thinking for this one, so much has been said, so much could be said about Christmas, but for this one, it's what about Christmas in the New Testament is great. I've I've written a book about Christmas called Born This Happy Morning. Let's see, when was that? Like 2020? Hank Smith and Meg Johnson and I have written another one or compiled some of our digital firesides into a little book called Silent Night, Holy Light, which is the first time we've tried an Amazon book to make it so much faster. I was amazed. <laughs> have to talk about that sometime. Anyway, so much has been said. What, what do we say again? And I guess we're okay with repetition at Christmas. We sing the same songs. We tell the same stories. In the New Testament, it's interesting to me that in the, only in Matthew do we get the story of the wise men, and only in Luke do we get the rest of the Christmas story of the announcement to the shepherds and Mary and Joseph going to be taxed. One of the things that I appreciate about the story in Matthew is it, it, there's, it's a little bit, we don't know a whole lot, except that these, there were wise men from the east. Where is he that is born king of the Jews? It says in Matthew 2, we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. How did they know it was his star? How did they see it? Herod was troubled, verse 4, gathered all the chief priests and scribes and demanded of them where Christ should be born. Not when, but where. He believed the wise men, apparently. They said, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. And then he quotes from the book of Micah, chapter 5, verse 2, which says, Bethlehem in the land of Judah art not the least among the princes of Judah. Out of these shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. So that's where they were expecting the Messiah to be born. Then Herod, verse 7, when he, he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. Now, maybe I'm seeing more in this than is there, but evidently, they didn't see the star. They're asking what time it appeared. Why didn't, didn't they know? Could they see it? What time did the star appear? And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go search diligently for the young child when you found him. Bring me word again that I may come and worship him. When they heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star, which they saw in the east, went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Could everybody see the star or just the wise men? Did everybody know what the star meant, or was it just the wise men? Another thing that's really interesting to me is that Herod asked his chief priests and scribes where Christ would be born. These guys knew their scriptures, but they did not know what was happening. I mean, here the Messiah that all of the Old Testament prophesied about 
was being born just a few miles away in Bethlehem, and they didn't know it, and they were the scriptorians. <laughs> but the wise men knew it. Is it possible to really know the scriptures and not have the spirit of revelation? I guess it is. Because they, had, they knew their scriptures. When we go to verse 11 of Matthew 2, when they were come to the house, it doesn't sound like the stable or the, the cave or the grotto, they came into the house and saw the young child. So most scholars believe that this was sometime later. This wasn't the baby Jesus, but this was a young child. And they gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We really don't know how many wise men there were, but from here, there are three gifts. So people assume three wise men and even have given them three different traditional names. But those do not appear in Matthew. One of the things that I don't think it ever says here is that they were kings. I think that's another interpretation because of the word magi. So in your Bible dictionary on page 727, under the entry for magi, M-A-G-I, called wise men, their identification is not made known in the scriptures, but it is certain that they were righteous men sent on an errand to witness the presence of the Son of God on the earth. Their spiritual capacity is evident. They were able to see the star when others could not. They knew its meaning and brought gifts to the young child, and they were warned of God in a dream to return to their home by a safe route. Their knowledge was precise and accurate. It seems likely they were representatives of a branch of the Lord's people somewhere from east of Palestine who had come, led by the Spirit, to behold the Son of God and who returned to their people to bear witness that the King Emmanuel had indeed been born in the flesh. We are not told how many wise men there were, but tradition usually speaks of three because of the three gifts of gold, myrrh, and frankincense. If they were serving in the capacity of witnesses, there would of necessity have been two or three. And that would just be the law of witnesses. So that's a very interesting entry in the Bible dictionary. So that's what we get from the story in Matthew about the wise men. And sometimes we put them in our nativity scenes even though it sounds like they came later than the announcement of the birth made in Luke because Jesus was a young child in the house instead of the babe in the manger. In Luke chapter 2, we're very familiar with the story. One of the things that I love to talk about and that I may have shared before was kind of pointed out to me by Sister Chieko Okazaki in her book called Stars. And that comes from verse 8. There were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And the word abiding there could be taken out, and verse 8 would still make perfect sense. For example, and there were in the same country shepherds in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. But the shepherds were abiding. When I looked it up on dictionary.com, it listed seven or eight words that just reading him was powerful. It means to stay, to remain, to endure patiently, to persist. All of those words, when I think about abiding in the church, abiding in your calling, abiding in your family, all of those things come to mind. To stay, to remain, to endure patiently, to persist. 
to endure. I love all of those ideas. And Sister Okazaki in her book said, I hope we can feel the strength of abiding in our fields, watching over our flocks. And we all have different fields, our work, our home, our roles at home, mother, father, brother, sister, aunt, uncle, grandfather, grandmother, niece, nephew, all of those different roles, and then keeping watch over their flocks, their, their responsibilities, their duties. They were where they were supposed to be. And Sister Okazaki didn't say this, but I thought it's interesting that Joseph knew what was coming because he had been told by the angel Gabriel. Mary knew what was coming because she had been told by the angel Gabriel. Jesus knew he was coming to earth. He or someone by divine investiture told Nephi in 3 Nephi chapter 1. He said, on the morrow come I into the world. So somehow he was either as a spirit able to tell him that or the Holy Ghost did that for him. But Jesus knew what was coming. So who didn't know what was coming? The shepherds. The wise men that we just talked about knew what was coming. Who didn't know? The shepherds. The shepherds learned about it in real time. It was announced to them in real time while they were what? While they were abiding. So Sister Okazaki said, I thought eloquently, let's be where we are supposed to be so that angels will know where to find us. I just thought that was a great way to put it. If we are where we're supposed to be doing what we're supposed to be doing, the angels will know where to find us. And they were abiding in their field. And the angel said, verse 10 of Luke 2, Fear not, for behold, I bring you. Why did the shepherds get this? I bring you, you shepherds, good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, Bethlehem, as Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Maybe they, like the wise men, were also to be witnesses. Because after the heavenly host sang glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Verse 17, And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. So they became witnesses and missionaries. And I suppose this is where we get the idea for the hymn, Go Tell It on the Mountain, that Jesus Christ is born. Now in the manual, it also lists some verses from Paul. And, you know, none of these verses would be in here. Lots of babies were born every year. But because Jesus fulfilled his mission and suffered and died and atoned for our sins and was resurrected, then we rejoice at his birth because he was the first to be resurrected and because of him all will be resurrected. So it quotes some other verses. It reminds me of something that I, I love to talk about. And that is 
The Three Levels of Christmas, I read in a book by William B. Smart. It was a church news editorial. The first level he called it was the Santa Claus level, and that's of Jingle Bells and Rudolph and Ho, Ho, Ho and stockings and Christmas trees and ornaments and everything. And a lot of celebration is on that level. And then he said there's another holier level called the Silent Night level, and that is about the baby Jesus and the wise men and that story from Luke 2. But really insightfully, he said, for those who keep Christ in the manger, Christmas will still leave them empty. I loved the idea that he shared of keeping Christ in the manger because he grew up. He didn't stay in the manger. Maybe people are okay with the baby Jesus, but when he actually grew up, he began to, to invite us to follow him and to invite us to follow commandments. And that is the adult Christ. And level three, the whole reason that we have level one and level two is because Jesus atoned for our sins, conquered death and sin, took upon us, took upon himself our sicknesses, our infirmities, everything else. And the reason I think Christmas brings such a joy and hope, it was the beginning of the knowledge that we will all live again, that our loved ones will live again. And without the birth of Christ, the rest of that could not happen. So this is why it's so wonderful to think of Christmas and to equate it with words like hope and joy, because there is hope again for all of us to be with our loved ones again, to be with God again, all made possible because, because Jesus was born. So I hope you'll have a wonderful Christmas this year. You'll think about some of these New Testament things and you'll realize, as we heard in a couple of general conferences, Easter should be bigger than Christmas because Easter is basically the level three reason why we celebrate the level two Christmas of Jesus being born. So to close, President Gordon B. Hinckley said, the babe Jesus of Bethlehem would be but another baby without the redeeming Christ of Gethsemane and Calvary. Let me read that again. As President Gordon B. Hinckley put it, the babe Jesus of Bethlehem would be but another baby without the redeeming Christ of Gethsemane and Calvary and the triumphant fact of the resurrection. So that's what we celebrate, that level three Christmas that makes the other two so wonderful and continues to fill us with hope and joy. Hope you have a wonderful Christmas and I'll talk to you next time.